Well, good morning. I am so glad that each and every one of you is here today. This morning, we're going to continue our series on why church. It's okay to ask. And our answer today on why church is because we were created to worship together. We were created to worship together. What does that mean? That means that we give worth to God. We see God clearly. We see him through his word. We we get a clear picture of who Jesus is. But we're also called to worship together, to actually be together as we worship, as we give worth to God. And there's a couple things I want you to consider about that. First of all, we are called to be active participants. As we said last week, you know, church is not a spectator sport. So we're called to be active participants as we worship. And then secondly, um, we live in a world that is customized and tailor-made. 2009, uh, Facebook started its like button. And I think the world has changed since then. But I want you to imagine all the different preferences we have and all the the customized things and all the algorithms and all those things that are tailor-made just for you. When we come together to worship together, this is a counter-cultural activity because we have to set some of those things aside as we worship together. So this morning, Matt and I, we're going to talk a little bit about why we do what we do in our time together as we worship. For this reason, we want to help you. We want to be together in this. And as we understand why we do what we do, that can help us engage at a higher level. So Matt, I'm going to hand it over to you for a few minutes and let you kind of share with us as our worship pastor how you, we put this thing together. Yeah, so this morning we wanted to take you through some of those questions. Why do we do what we do? Why do we gather in this place once a week? Why do we sing? Why do we pray? Why do we have scripture? And we wanted to talk just through, here's how when you gather together, here's what this looks like, and here's the process that we kind of go through. And as people of the Bible, as people who follow scripture as a congregation and as followers of Christ, uh, we want to look at scripture and see, is there prescription in scripture that shows us how we ought to worship when we gather together. And so the good news is yes and no is the answer. When we look at scripture, there's not a prescribed order of worship. There's certainly nothing within the Bible that says, here's how you have to structure your worship gatherings when you're together. But there are clues when we look at scripture that we can see, okay, there are orders, there are models that we can look at and say, okay, if we take this at its face value, here's how we can put together a worship service and worship like the early church. And so if you have your Bibles with you, whether on your phones or you have a physical Bible in your hands, I'm going to encourage you to open to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 42 through 47. It'll also be on the screen for you as a reference. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage, and just a little later, uh, Jason's actually going to kind of zoom in on part of the passage and talk about uh, what we do when we gather with the Scripture. How do we um, uh, talk about Scripture when we're together? But we're going to look at this passage, and I'm just going to highlight a couple things that I see when we look at the early church and how, it, how we model our gatherings after it. So in, uh, in uh, verse 42, 
uh, through 47 starts by talking about they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So there's already the element that they've actually already gathered together for worship. They've been gathering in the temple courts, they've been meeting together, and it was already the custom for them to get together. But as they met together first, they would start with fellowship. They would start with uh, sharing stories about what God has been doing every time they met together. So there's an element of it that's kind of a welcoming. You are welcome to join this fellowship that we have. Come together. Let's fellowship. Let's share stories. Let's celebrate together. And then it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so these were the apostles who would have been with Jesus or been with people who were with people who were with Jesus. And so they're hearing stories of very, in very real time of what Jesus did. And it modeled, then they were listening to the apostles as they told stories about Jesus. New interpretations of Old Testament passages as Jesus continued to expose scripture and preach it. And so they've devoted themselves to listening to stories about Jesus and about the Bible as it was at that time. And then they broke bread together. And this is an allusion to Luke chapter 24. Luke and Acts are meant to be read together because it's just a, now here's what the church does in Acts from the gospel. And there's a story in Luke where uh, Luke is telling about Jesus encountering disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they're walking along and they have a conversation and Jesus teaches them. And then they end up in a home and they break bread together. And when they broke bread together... Jesus was made apparent to them. They didn't know it was Jesus before that, and then all of a sudden, they knew it was Jesus who was with them, and then Jesus disappears. And so this breaking bread idea is the idea that when we come together, when we break the bread, in this sense, the communion table, or the elements of communion, we remember that Christ is with us, and it's an actual presence of Christ with us. And so we get to celebrate that together when we break the bread, when we have the communion elements, that leads us into that. And then there's a final element of this story where the disciples, those who are together, are actually sent out. And so it says at the end of the passage that the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. So they couldn't just stay with it in the room that they were in where they were meeting. They actually went out and they proclaimed the gospel. They proclaimed the good news of what was happening and then God just blessed them. And they just sent out and they continued to multiply and multiply and multiply. And so when we look at this passage, there's four things that I see in that that give us just a, a skeletal structure for our gatherings together. So the first is uh, what I call, or, or, or actually it's a term that uh, Robert Weber, if you, any of you are familiar with him, but Robert Weber has kind of coined this thing. It's a fourfold model. So the first is a gathering. So in our gathering time, this is our coming in and responding to what God has done during the week. We actually get a chance to come together, and that will usually involve songs, uh, typically when you get together, we'll pray together, we'll read scripture. Um, Paul instructs the church in Ephesus uh, in chapter 5. He says, when you come together, you sing spiritual, hong- uh, spiritual songs, hymns, and, and praise choruses, essentially. And so that's part of what we do is we sing together because that's what the early apostles did in the early church is they came together and they sang. So all of that can be a part of our gathering time. We're gathering from the world around us into this place and kind of welcoming us into worship. And then second, there is a time of the word, right? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So typically how that happens here at CCG is we have a sermon. So about 25 to 30 minutes, we will spend time learning together. Uh, It doesn't always have to take on the form of a sermon, but that's typically what's happened in the churches, is that we spend time reading the word together, studying it. Jason will uh, lead us through a particular passage, and we'll spend time devoting ourselves to the teaching of Scripture. 
And then that always leads us to a time at the table, so to speak, but here, just communion, we, have, we don't have a literal table here, but just the idea of we are gathered as we hear the word of God, we're prompted into further worship and connection with Christ, where we unite ourselves at the table with him, and we remember, hey, Christ is with us, and we get to celebrate that together, that we've been restored, we've been made new, as we've heard God speak to us. And then that leads us to a final thing of what's called the sending, and that's just, church, you're sent out. As soon as you learn what you learn and you celebrate what you celebrate, you ought to go out and tell the world around you. So we're very serious on Sunday mornings when we gather. This is not the be-all, end-all. Y'all got to go out now and go tell the good news, go tell the creation around you, and then get to experience what God is doing at work around you in the world. So that's just the four elements that kind of make up this skeletal structure of a service. So when you come in here and you experience all these things, these are the things that are happening with us, even if we don't always bring full attention to what's happening. That's kind of the flow of how our services are put together. And now Jason is going to speak about a particular um, element of our service that we are going to be talking about in coming weeks. We're going to introduce um, just a new way to respond uh, during our gathering time. Jason, why don't you yeah, tell us think, a little bit about thanks, that? Thanks, man, and thanks for giving us that explanation. That's cool to think about how this is all put together. Well, one of the things that we want to implement in really the spirit of being together and worshiping together and celebrating together, starting next week, we want to have a moment in service where we highlight our collective giving to the church. And this is an exciting opportunity for us because what we get to do is we get to celebrate what God has done. We give generously because God has been generous to us. We give because he first gave to us. And this is a time really as part of our discipleship as, and as disciples, as followers of Jesus who are being changed by Jesus and who are on mission for Jesus, we have an opportunity to give back. And we want to start doing that together. Now, we're not going to pass a plate, but we do want to take a moment and celebrate what God is doing and what God is doing through the ways he has given to us. And uh, so here's the, here's the deal on that. If you, if you give online and you give during the week, I'm not asking you to change any of those things. That's a great habit. That's a great pattern in your life. But what we want to do is, is take a moment in service and acknowledge that and celebrate that and, and really uh, thank God for that and then pray that God would use those resources to build his kingdom. So we'll talk more about that uh, next week and get that started. But one of the things that we want to do is we want to thank God for the way he has blessed us and has enabled us to work through our impact partners. And we have one of our impact partners today. I'd, I'd invite David Graffenberger to stand. Let's welcome David. <clears throat> David and his wife uh, Marilyn serve with OMS and they've spent extensive time in Haiti. Uh, David's on a quick visit, so we just wanted to say hey to him and we want to pray for him and pray for some of our other partners right now. So would you join me in that? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the ways that you have blessed us with resources. And you've given us the opportunity to support impact partners who can go out throughout the world and share your gospel and help others grow and change. And you can bring about uh, your kingdom on this earth. So we thank you for David and we thank you for uh, the work that he has done and is continuing to do. And as Brad already prayed, we, we, we pray for those in 
in Haiti so much who are um, suffering and need stability. And as we think of the needs in our world, we also think uh, specifically of, of our impact partners who are working with college students. We think of Matt Casey and Campus Outreach, and we think of that team who is sharing your word and bringing truth in places where um, there can be so much darkness and so much discouragement. So, Father, we ask that you would multiply, you would bless, you would use the resources you have given us to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to dive right into Acts 2, verse 42. This is a sermon about a sermon. It's a meta-sermon, if you want to be sophisticated on that. We're going to talk about God's Word and really where it fits in our gathering on Sundays. So I want to take you to 242. Paul says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So when you think about this idea of being devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, I want you to put those two things together, teaching, content, learning, fellowship. That involves other people. That's a fancy word for community. This past Wednesday, I had a tremendous opportunity. The last minute, one of our uh, teacher helpers went down, and I, I, I got to go in with our elementary school kids. I was not the primary teacher. I was the guide on the side, a little crowd control. Tremendous teacher. I was secondary. I got to observe 21 elementary school students. As you might imagine, there was a diversity in the room. On one end, there was a, an older young man uh, who I could probably take my taxes to. On the other end, we had some younger kids that, that, that couldn't read yet. We had some kids that were rocking back and forth on their chair and knocked it over at least twice. We had some that just could not wait for the sucker at the end of the lesson. And as I looked around that room, as I surveyed it, I thought, you know what? I don't know that we're that much different as adults. We bring different things when we come together around God's Word. Now, some of you may say, well, that's really tough. You ought to divide those kids up and da-da-da-da-da. And the teacher in me says, yeah, we might be able to do some of that stuff. But there's a beautiful thing about being together, together, all the, the variety of folks that we have. Whatever you bring into this room today, that we are together, together as a church family to study God's Word. I want you to take a minute and just look around the room for a second. Just look around the room. We have the lights on. We have the lights on for a reason. For one, I want to see people's eyes. And I want you to see others as we're engaged. I want you to imagine, I want you to think about what you bring into this room. I want you to imagine what others might bring as well. Some of you may have had a fabulous week. You may be on top of the world. You bring that joy and celebration. Others of you may be in a really difficult spot, and you bring that. And when we're together, we are here to help one another. There might be a connection in the hallway. There might be a connection after service. There might be somebody you want to pray for. 
you might need somebody to pray for you. I know that some of you pray for me. I feel those prayers. I thank you for those prayers. As we come together, though, on a Sunday morning, as we come to sit under God's word, to to understand, to stand under the authority of God's word, we do it together. We do it together. So I want you to think about this experience, and I want you to invite you to bring your A game every Sunday. It means I come, and I'm I'm, I'm ready, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to learn, and I'm ready to see what God can teach me, but I'm also ready to be a blessing to somebody else. God, who might you connect with? As I hear the word, as, as, as I allow the word to, to penetrate my heart and mind, whom might you be calling me to reach out to? One of the things that drove me absolutely nuts during the height of the pandemic or wherever we are in it right now was having to preach to a camera. As you might have noticed, I like to move around a little bit. That's really hard for me to be still and look at a camera. If you're joining us online, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're still tuned in. Who knows what the future may bring? We'll continue to be accessible. But there's something about knowing you are here today. And we're here together to study the Word. Now, when we talk about this word devotion for a moment, to be devoted to something is to be attached to something, to be connected to something. Jesus gave us a very powerful picture of this in John 15 5 he said I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing our very faith is embedded in the idea of being attached to Jesus being devoted to connected to his word together and as Matt already indicated we talk about the being devoted to the apostles teaching That's to the gospel, the good news. The good news that Jesus rescues us from the power of sin and death and saves all who believe in him. And that that's a gospel that's not just just the gospel that saves me, but it's the gospel that sustains me, the gospel that makes me more and more like Jesus. So that's what we're devoted to. It's It's not just the New Testament, but it's also the Old Testament. Matt also referenced the walk to Emmaus in this beautiful picture where Jesus says, hey, this whole thing is about me. It points to me. So we look back to the old, we look, you know, the the, the new explains it. And as we put this whole thing together, we are attached to the apostles' teaching. Now, I want you to think of this word attach for a moment. I want you to think of the word attach. To be attached means to be connected. We all have different attachments. Different attachments. You have different backgrounds. You have different experiences. You have different preferences. You have different knowledge bases of Scripture. But we are all in this together, and part of what we do together is we lay those attachments aside for just a moment. We lay those attachments aside for just a moment, and we say, we are here in this space together, together to be devoted to learn from the apostles' 
teaching. So that's a process of laying those little things aside, laying those other attachments aside and saying, we are focusing here today. So the first key thing I want you to think about when you come into this room, when we sit under the teaching of God's word, we want to put those attachments aside. I also have to do that. (laughs) I have to put my own attachments aside, my own preferences aside. Part of what I try to discern and we try to discern as we put series together, as we say, okay, God, what, what does our church family need in this moment? What do we need? Sometimes we're going to be more uh, what we would call expository, where we would start with a big chunk of Scripture, and we try to understand it, and we look at the context, and we, we do a deep dive into all that stuff. We did that in 26 weeks in Romans. We did a little bit of that in Jonah. And then we say, okay, we're going to explain it, we're going to understand it, and then we're going to apply it. That's a beautiful thing. That's mostly what we do. Occasionally, we'll also do some topical series. We'll say, what are some questions we need to answer? What are some issues that we need to have the wisdom of God's Word? And maybe it's, it's the wisdom across the Bible. So this series right now, Why Church? We're trying to answer that question with some, a variety of scriptures. And why church at this particular time? Those things matter. So we can attach to the apostles' teaching. We can attach to God's word. And to do that, we have to set aside some of our own attachments. The second word is align. Align, to to, uh, put our hearts in alignment with God's heart. I want to give you a big picture of that. I want to take you to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there is a process a process of saying, look, there are all these patterns of the world, there are all these other attachments that I need to set aside, and I need to align my heart, I need to be transformed by God's Word to get my wants to be more like God's wants. Two word pictures God's Word gives us in this. There are many, I just picked two. The first is Psalm 119, 105. It says this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. This is an old school psalm. This is back when the sanitation systems were not what they are today. So as you walked along a path, you may be likely to step into something you didn't want to step into. So there is both a a lamp for my feet, what is nearby, the junk I might step into, but there is also a light for my path that is ahead. So there is an alignment project that is underway as we look at God's Word. There is an alignment project. A second picture that God gives us is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. It said, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and 
and attitudes of the heart. As we sit under God's word, part of what we need to be, I need to be, is open, open to receive from the word. None of us like to be told what to do. We are an independent, stubborn people. Are we not? Part of what God's word has to do is cut through all the layers of pride, all the layers of preference. So you may come in here on a Sunday morning and you may hear things you do not want to hear. I may preach things I don't want to preach. But God says, you got to say this. It's amazing. One of the things that has encouraged me over time is the specificity of his word towards our current situations. Time after time, God gives us what we need in the moment. That's the power of his word. And it can cut to the heart. It can be a painful process. Not every Sunday is yippy-skippy, rainbows and unicorns. This is awesome. Sometimes God's word just hurts because it's cutting through pride. It cuts through. Now, for that, that word to penetrate, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be open to receive. So there's, a, there's an attachment or a, I attach to the word. I, I, I try to set my own attachments aside. There's an alignment project that's going on. And then finally, we want to apply. We want to apply God's Word. Now, I want you to think of this picture. When we attach to God's Word, we're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Everybody still with me here? A little bit of explaining today. Everybody stick with me. So when we, when we attach, we come together. Rich, poor, Educated, not educated, lots of background in the Bible, no background in the Bible. Wherever you are, so thankful you're here. But we set aside those attachments and we attach to God's Word. We think. Then we get it here through this alignment. But then as we apply it, we go out into all the different directions that God calls us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says... All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It doesn't just stay. The huddle can be nice, but we have to break. We have to go. But there's work to get done before we apply it. That's why we're attached to the apostles' teaching. We see God clearly. We do the work in our hearts, and then we go. One more passage that helps us out with this. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, Let the message of Christ, or other translations say the word of God, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is a whole life 
application, discipleship, opportunity that we get to be a part of. This is what we get to do. We get to come together on a Sunday morning. And let me just say this, okay? We have multiple environments of learning, multiple environments of discipleship, multiple environments of worship. Having said that, being together on a Sunday morning is important. It's important because we are, the body is together. We can learn from one another. We can encourage one another. Even in the few moments that you might be out in the hallway, that you might be chatting before or after service. One of the greatest encouragements I see is whenever we baptize, to see that collective gathering afterwards that's celebrating together. So we have this process. We, we attach, we align, and then we apply. So what... What can you learn today? What can I learn today? What can we learn today? What does it mean to bring your A-game to church? It means we are open. We're open to receive. We are open to connect. We are open to share with one another. And we are open to invite others to join us on that journey. we got a world right now that is hurting, hurting, hurting. We have people that don't have this hope. They don't have this stability. They're living in a world where their whole world is dominated by algorithms that are trying to sell them stuff and make the whole world about them, and it's a pathway to destruction. We have something different at church. There's something different about coming together in humility, setting aside our preferences setting aside our own attachments to be led by the Spirit, to change our wants, to change our desires, to align our hearts with God's heart so that we can then go out and represent Jesus. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. As we look ahead and, you know, you listen to all the cultural critics and prognosticators and about all the evils of the world, everything that's horrible. Are there horrible things in the world? Yes! It's a crazy time. But what a hope that we have in Christ. What a beautiful hope that we have. And as we sit under God's word, we can see him clearly. God is not surprised by any of what we're going through. The more that we can be attached to him, align our hearts with his, and then go out into the world and bring him glory and honor. What an opportunity and joy that we have. As we sit under God's word, as we think about God's word, we're also reminded of this. Um, We tend to forget. Anybody with me on that? We tend to forget all the truths that we can hear sometimes, all this about Jesus we can tend to forget. So as Matt has already laid the groundwork for us as we talk about coming to the table together, I want to talk about communion for just a moment. 
I want you to go back. I want you to, you don't have to get out the elements yet. I want you to imagine the early church. The passage that, that Matt read and I referenced, this happens just after 3,000 people have put their faith in Christ. Peter, Peter, who denied Jesus, then after the resurrection, he preaches this big sermon and everybody, all these people, all these people in Jerusalem come to faith in Christ. And then listening to, remembering Jesus' words, they implement what we know as communion. Now back then they did it as part of a, part of a meal. And I want to take you to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Just listen to this for a minute. Let me give you a little context. So, so many of Paul's letters are correcting behavior. Sometimes th- we think we have problems in the church. It's always good to go back and look and see, you know what? Uh, the church has always been dealing with things. Now, the problem in this particular church, this is the church at Corinth, was as part of their communion meal, they were doing it improperly. What did that mean? Well, they were getting drunk before they would take communion. It's in the text. They were uh, excluding the poor. Some would go hungry. Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be divided. This is an unworthy way to practice this. He says in verse 22, 11, 22, he says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or, or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. And this is where Paul gives us the, really the, the words of communion that, that we say. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So as we come to the table now, God's word invites us to do a couple things. We we respond to the word, we respond in reverence in gratitude remember that remember that we look to the cross we remember what Jesus did on that cross for you for me we remember that with reverence So I would invite you at this time to to take out the bread and we remember that Jesus gave his body for us, that it was broken for us. So church, may we receive 
the bread together. And as we consider the cup, we also remember that Jesus bled for us, that this is the blood of the new covenant. And because of this, we can be attached to Christ. We can have a relationship with the God who created us. So may we receive the cup together. Would you pray with me? Father, as we receive the bread and the cup, we remember, Jesus, what you have done for us. May we not forget, may we not be flippant, may we not be cavalier in how we receive. May we examine our hearts. Help us to remove those attachments that keep us from you. Align our hearts with yours. And show us how you may help us to apply and act to share the love that you have shown to us. Jesus, through your sacrifice for us. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray.